Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. What's Wagner's rule of life number four? <laughs> Nothing good happens outside a strip club at 2 o'clock in the morning. I'm sorry, I understand I might be like a dog with a bone on this, but this is just fundamentally wrong. It is an insult, but let's tee this up. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 414-799-1620. I'm sorry, I think this is absolutely ridiculous. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome. So Eric Bilstedt went back to the scene of the crime on Saturday night. I went to a show at Turner Hall, which is, of course, where for the last... X number of years, we've done our WTMJ yeah. Christmas show. Right and by Pfizer. Right, 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 right across the way, right, Turner Hall, upstairs in the ballroom, and I had never seen a show there. I mean, I've been part of the shows that mm-hmm. we put on, mm-hmm. but Saturday night there was this kind of aging hippie folk singer named Todd Snyder, who I, I th- despite the fact that his politics are completely different from mine, I've been a fan of Todd Snyder's for 25 years, and he was performing there, and I went and saw the show, and my wife and I went with my, my brother, and we, we just had a really good time. Yeah. It's a great, it is a great venue to sit in the audience. Um, what they did is, when, when we do it, we, we have all these chairs. They must have had, I don't, I don't think it was completely sold out, so they had a lot of tables. So you could sit around tables and you could, you could have your beer and stuff. Oh, and it was okay. good. So, so no mosh pit or anything? There, there was no, no, there was no mosh pit. Well, no, these were, like I said, he's, he's an aging hippie folk singer and the crowd were, were aging hippies and, and Fran and I and my brother, you know? What's so, great about that venue, because I've seen a couple of shows there too, it's, it's not that big. No, it's not, so you can actually get nice and close. The uh, we, acoustics are pretty good. Right, the doors opened at seven. We got there about seven fifteen, and we were center, maybe like the equivalent of the fourth row. No, it's just great, great seats. We had a great time. If you want, to, if you follow me on Twitter at Jeff Wagner six twenty, there is a picture of my lovely wife and I sitting again. It's like I say, we were there at Turner Hall. It's not quite the WTMJ Christmas production, but then again, what is? I'm impressed but, with the Grateful Dead shirt you're wearing in that picture. Well, absolutely. Well, no, that's yeah. Well, that's actually the Todd Snyder thing. And the, of course, the last thing I need is another tour shirt and all. I, I've, I've told this story before. One, I. I, I probably have over 100 Jimmy Buffett T-shirts. I, sure. I'm not proud of that, but there's no question. When, 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 I, when I kick the bucket, there's, Fran is just going to take them all. She's going to put them on a rack. She's going to put them on the front front yard, and the note's going to say, Jeff's dead, T-shirts for free. That's what it's going to say. I understand that is my life, but what can you do? So you can check that out. Oh, by the way, when you're following on Twitter, at Jeff Wagner, it's at Jeff Wagner 620. Um, we've got a, links to a number of the different stories we're going to talk about, including in 15 minutes, my message to the former governor of the state of Wisconsin. Hey, Scott, welcome to my world. Stick around for that. But let us get started. Kellyanne Conway, who is, of course, the high-profile White House counselor. She and her, the interesting dynamic, of course, is her husband, who despises President Trump and gets all this attention. And you kind of wonder what that household must be like. But she's the White House counselor. She's one of the public faces of the Trump administration. And Kellyanne Conway is one of these people that you either love her or you hate her, depending on probably how you feel about President Trump. Well, anyhow, here is the story. Last October, she's at this kind of you know, hip and trendy restaurant in, in the, the Washington area, Bethesda, Maryland, kind of on the, you know, the, the border of, of D.C. She's at this hip and trendy thing, uh, restaurant, and she's with a, a group of people, and she's standing and, and she's talking to, to people. Somebody comes up from behind her and 
kind of grabs her shoulders and starts shaking her. All right. So she's like, all right, what, what's going on here? And, and they shake her and she turns around and she thinks it's somebody like trying to get her attention or maybe, you know, one of the other one of the friends or somebody that's there at this thing. Well, it, it's not. It's this 63 year old lady named Mary Elizabeth Inabinet. And she is not a fan of Kellyanne Conway. So she's come up behind Conway and she's kind of grabbed her by the shoulders and, and she's shaking her. And Kellyanne Conway turns around, and again, she thinks it's going to be a friend of hers. Well, it's, it's not a friend. It's this lady who then starts screaming at her. Lady yells, shame on you, and then starts yelling other things at her. So she's in her face, and she is screaming at her after she, she's shaken her. Well, anyways, what ends up happening is the lady's created this disturbance. The, the cops end up coming. She is tossed out of the restaurant, all right? The prosecutors, actually the police who came and investigated this, they issue criminal charges against this lady who went up, grabbed Conway, shook her, and then yelled at her. And the the charges are assault for making the physical contact with her and then disorderly conduct for screaming in her face. You know, Kellyanne Conway's story about this is, hey, you know, she was out of control. She ought to pay for it. You don't have a right to touch anybody. She puts her hands on me. I said, get your hands off me. She put her hands on me, and she was shaking me. All right, that's what Kellyanne Conway says. The lawyer for this lady says, well, well, Kellyanne Conway, she's a public figure. She's in a public phase, in a public place, and my client simply exercised her First Amendment right to express her personal opinions. Right, those are the stories. Again, she was charged with assault for grabbing her, and she was charged with disorderly conduct for screaming in her face and getting herself thrown out. The prosecutors have just made a decision. They dropped the criminal charges. All criminal charges have been dropped against this woman. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. Is this the right result. And where where do we draw the line? If you see let's say let's say your politics are more along the lines of Kellyanne Conway. If you see somebody like Rachel Maddow in a restaurant, do you have a right to go up to her and like shake her and then start screaming in her face? I mean, is that where our public discourse has become? Should the charges have been dropped against this woman who allegedly assaulted Kellyanne Conway? 414-799-1620. Do public figures have any protection at all nowadays from this type of behavior? Because Lord knows everybody feels emboldened to do pretty much whatever they want. 414-799-1620. I'll tell you how I would have handled this. But my question is, all right, is she fair game because she is the public face of the Trump administration. We discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. For those wondering, the prosecutors essentially said the reason we dropped charges was the lady who accosted Kellyanne Conway had no prior criminal record, and Kellyanne Conway wasn't hurt. All right? She wasn't hurt when the lady grabbed her and shook her to get her attention and started screaming at her. So that's now the standard, I guess. You know, th- does somebody have to be hurt? 414-799-1620. Adam in Brookfield. Adam, you're first. Hello. Yeah, good afternoon. That that kind of 
decision he's eventually going to get someone killed. I'd really like to hear the backstory and the real reason why they dropped charges, like the Smollett case. Someone pushed somebody's button and got it changed for political reasons or whatever. Right. It's just dangerous. Someone's going to get killed. Well, well, it, it is. And I guess that's, at, at the very least, if you wanted to cut a plea, bar, plea agreement and say, okay, we're going to drop the assault charges, but you're going to have to plead to disorderly conduct, because her conduct was clearly disorderly, okay, maybe that's how you do it. But this idea that, here, we're going to let you come up and, and accost somebody in a public place, put your hands on them, shake them. Now, admittedly, she wasn't hurt, but all right, it, it's a fine line, and then start screaming at them, again, in a public place, creating enough of a disturbance that they have to toss the lady out. I just don't think you can look the other way on that. Like I say, now, I'm not saying the woman necessarily needs to go to jail for five years, and, and maybe maybe the solution is, all right, you plead guilty to the disorderly conduct charge, we drop the more serious assault charge because nobody got hurt, but I, I mean, this one, again, it screams politics, and is that really the standard now where anytime you see somebody who is a public figure that you don't like or disagree with, you can go up, you can lay your hands on them, and you can scream in their face. All right, where is this going to go? And and you're right, even though Kellyanne Conway wasn't hurt, she was clearly flustered by this confrontation. And I'm sure there's people on the left who are saying, okay, this is great. But but again, let's reverse the situation. Say this is Rachel Maddow. Say this is, uh, again, Nancy Pelosi. You know, you grab her, you start screaming at her, you know darn well that a prosecutor wouldn't drop those charges. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to Dave in Green Bay. Hi, Dave. You're on WTMJ. Yeah, it's Steve. Thanks for taking Hi, Steve. Call. Sure. Um, I, I I don't understand that. I mean, it's pure and simple. It's assault. I can understand the First Amendment right, though I don't agree with it, yelling at somebody, but that's just the age we live in. There's no polite political discourse, but you lay your hand on somebody, that's assault. I'd be curious to know what the grounds were for the prosecutor dropping it. Well, the, the prosecutor, I mean, I, I'll tell you, I mean, the prosecutor's justification is they say that she wasn't hurt. The woman who grabbed Kellyanne Conway has no criminal record and that they didn't think if they prosecute her, they didn't think she was going to go to prison. Oh, oh OK, I, which is so. So what? So, <laughs> right. Even if I accept all that, that now means that you could go up and you can grab public figures. I mean, is that that really where we are? And is that really a good idea? Yeah. No, thanks. For calling. I mean, that and, and see, and that's that's the problem with this. And again, I, I challenge I would challenge the prosecutor. If this were an icon of the left, if this were a, a Nancy Pelosi, if this were an Alexandria Ortez, uh, or you know Cortez um, Ortiz, you know what would happen. And if somebody made the decision that they were going to drop charges, and she was confronted and physically physically manhandled like this, you know darn well that there'd be no political taste at all for dropping the charges. Now, again, I'm not arguing the lady needs to go to prison for five years, but yeah, you get something on a record. Mark in Hartford. Mark, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi, Jeff. Calling from on the road, Kaida, but uh, again, great topic. Thank I, you. I had to call into this one. I have to tongue-in-cheek called your screener and said, is this lady that accosted Kellyanne Conway related to Jesse Smollett, or are they the same <laughs> yeah. political persuasion? Because apparently they're golden. Anybody else would have charges filed against them. Like I was telling your screener, the police 
95% of the time, when they file charges, they're right. They got yeah. enough to go to court. They almost always get a conviction. And I don't know where this happened. I guess it happened in Washington. It was a Tony restaurant in Bethesda, Maryland, you know, which is kind of on the beltway there. But yeah, Kellyanne Conway is there. She's at this this gathering with friends and stuff. And this lady sees her and makes a beeline for her and grabs her and starts screaming at her. That's what happened. Bethesda, Maryland is is close to Washington, D.C. Right. You're in the aura of a, I'm sorry, a liberal Democrat-run city, and if this had been reversed and this had been um, Jesse Smollett yep. or uh, it would be a hate crime. It would have been front-page news. Yep. There would have been a show trial. There would have been a permanent record. But seeing how it's the other way around, it's like, oops. Never mind. Yeah, right, no, exactly. Thanks for calling. And, and that's, look, again, that, that's the unfairness of this. I, the, you have to be able to do something. Because when, when you do stuff like this, it just emboldens the crazies to go up and grab people. And this idea that, well, she has a First Amendment right because Kellyanne Conway is a public figure. Oh, okay, I, I, I understand, but that doesn't give her a right to behave in a disorderly fashion. And in this case, obviously, it wasn't just Kellyanne Conway walking by and the lady saying, shame on you all right that that's a that's a whole different story i mean that that kind of stuff comes with the territory but this was a situation where the woman decided to get physical lay her hands on kellyanne conway and then not just say shame on you but apparently just start getting in her face and yelling all sorts of stuff to the point that the lady had to be removed from the restaurant so this isn't just a a comment in passing this is somebody that wanted to speak her mind and that's okay that's okay that she did it, but the idea that you can do this type of stuff and not have any consequences, that's where I think the problem is. When we come back, a message to the former governor of the state of Wisconsin. Hey, Scott, welcome to my world. Stick around. So glad to have you with us. Jim Sensenbrenner is the dean of the Wisconsin Congressional Delegation. He has been in office, I believe, since 1978. I've known Jim for years and years and years. I like him a lot. He is, I I think it would be fair, and I say this with with affection. He represents one of the most conservative Republican-leaning districts in in the country. So he's not in danger of of losing his seat. He is incredibly powerful. He's, you know, occupied lots of positions. He's well-entrenched. He has very, very strong opinions on things. And interestingly enough, and I, again, I say this with affection, Sensenbrenner is notoriously thin-skinned. He, he just, he just is. It's he's he's a prickly kind of guy, and you know he doesn't mind picking fights, and that's part of his charm. All right. So here's the deal: he opposed President Trump's use of emergency powers to send money down to the border. He thought that this it wasn't that he didn't think there's a problem at the border; it was that he didn't think that this was something that was appropriate to declare an emergency and override the the will of Congress. I, by the way, agree with him, not because I don't think that there is an emergency down at the border, but because I'm worried about the precedent it sets when, you know, President Bernie Sanders decides Congress won't give him money for some, I don't know, national Medicare for all program. So he comes in and declares a national emergency and takes trillions of dollars. That, That is the concern about this. Anyhow, Former Governor Scott Walker, 
who is trying to, and appropriately so, trying to keep his name in the news. He's got political ambitions four or six years from now or, or whatever. So he, he's he been doing this stint up the dial on, on talk radio, doing talk shows. And so he's doing a talk show. Dan Bice has this report, and I've linked to it on, on my Twitter account at Jeff Wagner 620. So Walker is doing his, his talk show. And Walker starts criticizing Republicans who opposed Trump on the, this border thing. He doesn't call out Sensenbrenner by name, but but he says that. So Jim Sensenbrenner apparently hears this and becomes irritated that Walker is criticizing at least Sensenbrenner's position, even if not Sensenbrenner. So Sensenbrenner apparently arranges for the 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 chairwoman of the Fifth Congressional District Republicans, and they have this dinner. You know, every year at the end of March. And apparently Sensenbrenner suggests that maybe Walker should not be allowed to speak at the event. He was planning to come out and speak at the event. And that's what happens. He gets, I don't know if he was ever invited to it, but he was going to come and he was going to speak to the group. He gets uninvited because Jim Sensenbrenner's hacked off at him for taking this particular position. Now, I had to admit, I had to smile at this particular thing because my my thought to Scott Walker was, okay, welcome to my world, Scott. Let me just tell you, I mean, this is what happens when you end up, for example, doing what I've done for going on like 24, 25 years now, full or part-time. You do a talk show, and you are going to irritate people from time to time, even people if you are aligned with them on the issues 95% of the time. I guarantee you, if you speak your mind, occasionally you will do something that hacks them off, and this is kind of the result you get. So Scott Walker says something it's in, it actually strikes me as kind of benign. Jim Sensenbrenner takes it the wrong way and has the rug pulled out from under Scott Walker um, because of something he said on talk radio. My message to the governor is, welcome to my world, Scott. And if you want to continue for the next couple years filling in on talk radio or whatever, get used to more of this stuff. Because I just I'd let you see my email on any one given day for people who get bent out of shape about whatever we ended up saying. Just saying. If you want to check out the link to a Bice's story, I've got it up at Twitter at Jeff Wagner six twenty. I'm Jeff Wagner. Coming up next, is shoplifting a big deal or not? We'll discuss. We're back. Uh, this breaking news story, if true, if you are a college basketball fan in this area, it's, it's a big deal. It's no secret. I'm a, I, I go to all the Marquette University basketball team games. The, the team had a very, very good year. They kind of cratered at the, at the end of the year, lost, what, five out of the last six or six out of the last seven, got blown out at the first round of the NCAA tournament. But... But, 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 they were viewed, I mean, a lot of the preseason polls and estimates from next year had them as a top 10 team. So the breaking news story, and this is, uh, you know, um, Lance Allen on today's TMJ4 is reporting that the Hauser brothers, uh, Sam Hauser just finished his junior year. These are both guys from Stevens Point. Um, Sam Hauser just finished his junior year at Marquette. His younger brother, Joey, just finished his freshman year at Marquette. And these were mainstays of the team. I, I would say Sam Hauser as a junior, was the probably the number two go-to guy on the team. Uh, the guy, Marcus Howard, was the, the probably the leader and the big scorer of the team. But Hauser was probably the number two guy. 
guy, and Joey Hauser, the brother who just finished his freshman year, um, played an, played an important role. His, he got benched more and more as the season went on, and I, I think you can make an argument that for both of the Hausers, and I, I never like to criticize college kids because they're, they're, they're college kids. I, I think both of them kind of plateaued a little bit, but but still very, very good players. In three years at Marquette, uh, the older brother, Sam Hauser, averaged 12.7 points, 7.2 rebounds, and 2.4 assists. Joey, um, the freshman, had 9.7 point average and 5.3 rebounds, both very respectable. The report is that um, both of them have decided to leave the Marquette program and enter the NCAA transfer portal process. What this means is they will have to sit out a year. So you've got Sam Hauser, who's who's only got one year left. He's going to have to sit out that year before he can play wherever he's going to play. For Joey Hauser, he'll have three years of eligibility left. But as you looked at the Marquette program, this was, I mean, these guys were, I, I think, being counted on to progress and be key elements uh, of a team. Um, I don't know what the story is. One of the knocks, and, and I like their coach, Steve Wojciechowski, on, on a personal level. I, I like him a, a lot. One of the, the issues that have been there is that, you know, you've, you've, they've lost a number of players over the years for transfers and things like that. So I don't know exactly what the backstory is. But in a situation like this, it's not common for a guy who's one of your stars who has one year left of eligibility. Sometimes you go to the NBA. All right, that 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 happens. But it's not common for one of the guys who's one of your stars who has one year of eligibility left to suddenly transfer and his brother goes along with him. I'm sure there's more to this story. Maybe it's a dispute over playing time, et cetera, et cetera. But there's no way you can look at this and not see this as a blow to the Marquette's men's basketball program for for next year. So we'll be continuing to follow this. Again, it's Lance Allen reporting that both of the brothers are, in fact, leaving leaving Marquette. And the question becomes, how are they going to be replaced? And I don't know if we'll ever know the full story about that. But if it's true, it's, again, not not a positive not a positive for the program and again one of these questions that you raise about the coach is that you know what what's going on that you're you have these star recruits and that you lose them all right let us completely and totally switch gears it always used to be that if you wanted to have a political career the way to do that was and you're a lawyer you start off as a prosecutor you get a reputation of being tough on crime rudy giuliani would, would come to mind but certainly not the only one so you get a job and it, you become the da you become the united states attorney that type of stuff you you get a reputation as a crime busting no nonsense guy that's going to lock up people and that's always been the way to success that has changed over the last several years because the, the new thing in the minds of some is mass incarceration. We're putting too many people in jail. We, we are, oh, the jails are full of this, and in urban areas it tends to be disproportionately members of minority groups, and this is just terrible. So you have more and more prosecutors who are, I don't know, either running for office on or adjusting their theories to say, hey, we want to find alternatives. We want to take people and we don't want to put people in, in jail. We don't want to. We want to find alternative ways of keeping people accountable because we don't want to lock up so many people. And this is manifesting itself in all sorts of ways, many of which I don't think are good. 
Here is the latest development, and it comes from the the district attorney in Dallas, who's one of these touchy-feely, new, I don't want to lock people up, I want to try to find all these different alternatives. So he came out last week, and he announced a new policy that was going to be going into effect. He says that, you know, he's going to change his bail procedures to let people out on bail and things like that. But here's what he's decided. He has decided that his office— is no longer going to prosecute shoplifting cases if the amount stolen is under $750. So if you can, he, he, he views this as being a crime of poverty, and, and he doesn't want to criminalize people who are in poverty. So if you go into a, a grocery store and you steal $750 worth of food or liquor or whatever, you're not going to be charged criminally. There, there's the, the store can sue you. The store can try to collect its money from you, but they're not going to prosecute you. Now, an exception is if you're stealing stuff to resell. So if you go into a TV store, you steal the TV and you resell it, then then you might still get prosecuted for shoplifting. But if it's if it's something that you don't intend to sell, in other words, you intend to use it, you're not going to be prosecuted. And the store, well, the store is on its own. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Is this a good idea? Is it a good idea to say, as a matter of policy, you can go into Costco or Pick and Save or Sendex or Kroger or Walmart or Target or whatever, and as long as you're not planning to resell the stuff, you can steal up to $750 worth of merchandise, and don't worry, we're not coming after you. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I don't know about you, but if I was if I was a merchant, I would be outraged by this. If I was... If I was the local merchant that was, you know, running the, the, the coffee store or that was running, I don't know, any sort of store that's around there, to be told that, well, if somebody comes in and rips you off, as long as they don't steal more than $750 worth of stuff, you're on your own, I would be outraged, and I think the system would be uh, betraying me. But that's just me. 414-799-1620, is this a good policy to have? And should we adopt things like this in Milwaukee? We discuss in just a moment. 414-799-1620 is the number. It's 1243. This is Jeff Wagner. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. So glad to have you with us. The Dallas DA says, we are no longer going to prosecute shoplifting cases where you steal less than $750 unless you resell it. He says this is criminalizing poverty. So in other words, you want to go into a Walmart, you go steal, I don't know, $600 worth of food and liquor and clothing. Well, as long as you're going to use it yourself, you're not going to get charged. Chris in Sheboygan. Chris, you're on WTMJ. Yeah, Jeff, thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. I think this is, this is a horrible, 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 horrible idea. All it's basically going to do, it's, it's just going to turn it into the wild, wild west. Yeah, they're going to be able to steal whatever they want. There'll be no ramifications. If anything, it'll just make those neighborhoods worse because the stores are going to have to spend more money on security cameras, whatever. Or the stores are going to close down 
Or I mean, exactly. okay, I mean, Chris, look, let let let's forget the WalMarts of the world for a second. But let's say you're you and I are small businessmen, and we're running a we we've got a convenience store and a gas station in downtown Dallas, and this is our our livelihood, and we make all our money by selling milk and all these other things and cigarettes and stuff. I mean, and and now the police are essentially saying the DA saying, hey, come in, steal from you and me, and as long as you don't steal more than seven hundred and fifty dollars. You're on your own, Chris and Jeff. Well, why the hell are we going to keep that store open? Exactly. I mean, this is almost like a no-brainer, really, if you actually take your thought through the conclusion. It's like, where is this going to do anyone in those neighborhoods, in quotations, any right. good? No, it, it, right, exactly. I mean, I think thanks to call that 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 to me is the inevitable thing. Now, I understand this is great and it's touchy feely and it's got all this politically correct stuff because it's look, you know, we're we're not going to try to lock up, you know, people of you know what whatever you know this group or that group or whatever. But you're giving them a free pass essentially to go and steal. I, I mean, and and really. From the perspective of, I, I mean, maybe it's the anti-Walmart thing, and I think that's sometimes what people think of. Well, okay, Walmart makes all this money, so who cares? But you know exactly what's going to happen. As soon as this policy goes into effect, you're going to have people flooding into not just the big stores, but the little stores. They're going to be trying to steal them blind, and you're either going to have to decide, all right, we're going to have to add all this security stuff, but in that case, even if security catches you, there's no real consequence. All right, so I, they catch me I, i'm ripping off six hundred dollars worth of clothing and groceries and booze from you know the the local walmart or i don't know if they have costco's down there but but whatever so they catch me all right maybe they will maybe they won't if they don't catch me well then i'm gone I, i'm home free i've got it if they catch me they take the stuff back but the cops aren't going to come i'm not going to be charged what you know what's what is the downside of this? You want to talk about quality of life issues. This this is one of them. Jason in Mequon. Jason, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hey, uh, good afternoon, Jeff. Hi, Jason. Um, I saw Mayor Barrett when he said, you know, kids can come out and joyride two or three times. Oh, no big deal. You know, and encouraging them just to go for a joyride. Yep. Well, that's a car. And now they're talking $750 free ride whatsoever. Yeah, and it's like where I forgot what town you Dallas. You said this was this, in, this but is Dallas, is this California. Seven hundred and fifty dollars for a gallon of milk. You got to be walking out with cartloads and cartloads of stuff before they say anything. Well, well, exactly. What the heck is going on? Well, no, you're you're right, but no, but it's because well, we don't want the the argument is, and this is the hip and trendy argument. You're going to get a lot of this. We don't want to criminalize poverty. And if somebody is in the Walmart or is in, you know, Chris and Jeff's store and they decide that they're going to steal stuff, it's not because they're bad people. It's because, well, you know, you know, they they just don't have enough money to live on. And so that's why they're going to rip off this stuff. That, I mean, that's what the attitude of this is. But I, I like the point you're making. A number of textures have made the same point here in Milwaukee. We adopted, what, about five or six years ago, the absolutely asinine policy that the police would not chase. Remember that? The idea was, unless you have evidence that the person that you're chasing has committed a a, a violent felony, you know, then, then you just let them go. 
And so what did we see as a result of that? The bad guys knew that the cops wouldn't chase. And so as a result of that, what what happened was you had all the reckless driving. You had the, oh, it's a stolen car. Well, that's not a basis to pull people over. Here, we'll let them drive 90 miles an hour and go through red lights and things like that. And we'll let them drive, you know, 100 miles an hour past a police officer and make obscene gestures at the cops because, well, the cops aren't allowed to chase. It was a policy that fostered and encouraged police, the the punks going out and stealing cars and committing crimes because they knew they would get away with it. And finally, after four or five years of this failed policy, everybody, including Alderman in Milwaukee, recognized that was enough is enough, and they've ended up changing the policy. And, and even to this day, I think there's some people who haven't gotten the message, which is why people still run from the cops, because you'll have them say, well, I didn't think you were supposed to chase me. I, I thought I could just run away with impunity. This is the same thing that's going to end up happening down in, in Dallas. This idea that, well, we don't want to criminalize poverty. Well, now you have essentially put a target on the back of every business owner that is trying to operate in this area. And you've said, hey, go steal from them. Okay, don't don't steal the big stuff, but steal the little stuff. Steal as much stuff as you want up until $750, and then don't even bother calling us. This is what we are coming to in this country when in Dallas, Texas, they come up with this. And this is why, you know, the elections do matter. And I understand the trend now is, okay, we don't want to be law and order. We want to be touchy feely. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of district attorneys, starting with the Milwaukee County district attorney who kind of buy into this basic sort of concept. The problem is it just doesn't work. This is Jeff Wagner. W277-CV and WTMJ Milwaukee. From the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is News Radio WTMJ. And this is Jeff Wagner. Coming up in about 10 minutes, I, I never thought I would live today to see the day when this is controversial, but it is. There is a community that has just had it, it's all its police cars repainted, and the, the squad cars have, well, an American flag on the side of the squad cars. They have now... Some people think this is too aggressive. It's too controversial. We're going to be talking about it. If you want to see a, a photograph of it and a link to the story, you can follow me on Twitter. It's at Jeff Wagner 620. I've got that up there. We're going to talk about that in just about 10 minutes. All right. The real – all right. They're interesting weekend in, in sports. Brewers winning two out of three games. You had the Bucks that just absolutely devastated the Detroit Pistons. That was a complete and total beatdown. I was watching a good chunk of the game on television last night, and I kept thinking, okay, well, you know, they're, they're ahead by 15 or 20 points. Detroit will make a run. And nah, they weren't. Then they were ahead by 30 points, and I kept thinking Detroit was going to make a run. Nah, there was no run to be had. I mean, the Bucks were cooking, you know, they were just, just blasting on all cylinders and just blew the Pistons out. And, boy, there's no reason to think that this is going to be a competitive series at all. So that was a big story. But let's face it. The, the biggest sports story over the weekend of the weekend is Tiger Woods, who many of us, my hand is up in the air too, by the way, had, had written off. That just didn't think that he was ever going to win another majors given, you know, all his physical problems, given the personal life that was an absolute, uh, you know, disaster, and given the fact that, you know, he, he was just, he'd reached a certain age where, you know, when you're in your 40s, it's tough to compete against the, the guys that are in the 20s. Nevertheless, Tiger Woods wins. Big victory. Know who the big losers were in Tiger Woods' victory this weekend? 
Well, a couple sports books in Las Vegas. Now, you can, there is this mythical place called Las Vegas where you can go and you can you can bet on results. Last week, um, the uh, William Hill, which is a sports book in, in, in Vegas, they were taking bets on the Masters. And they were argued that they set odds. And they set the odds of Woods winning at 14 to 1. Guy walks in, puts $85,000 to win on Tiger Woods at 14 to 1. That bet pays almost $1.2 million <laughs> at 14 to 1. Um, another guy goes into the Westgate uh, Sportsbook in Vegas. Um, he bets $10,000 on Woods to win at 12 to 1 and collects there. But. This one sports book takes the $85,000 bet, and they're now out $1.2 million. So for everybody who was excited that Woods wins, I guarantee you there were some bookies in Vegas who were going, miss that putt, miss that putt, miss that putt. Didn't work out. This is Jeff Wagner. Hi, I'm Rick Edelman, and I have a feeling that retirement is on your mind. You're wondering if you've saved enough or whether your money is in the right Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. So, Eric Bilstadt, the, these these pictures uh, of the Cathedral at Notre Dame in, in Paris mm-hmm. on fire are just absolutely amazing. It is really dramatic. We just saw the spire come down from this, these flames. It is unbelievable how tall some of those flames are crawling into the sky. Now, the... The initial reports, or at least some of the reports, the Daily Mail, for example, is saying that there was construction, construction, restoration work yep, that was yep. going on, and you know, who knows? But for anybody around here, remember the Trinity Lutheran fire from a couple of years ago? Right, I mean, right. That was I, again this this old church. You have the work that's going on, and somebody leaves a heat gun out or whatever that was, mm-hmm. and the whole thing just goes up. And I I think of that every time because on. on on my way from where I park to Pfizer Forum, that the shuttle just goes past that, yeah, that church every yeah. day, and you just yeah. kind of see it. And they're they're years away from having that reopen. Now, here's the interesting thing: the the Cathedral at Notre Dame was built in eight eleven sixty. Goes back to eleven sixty when we were. It, well, if you go to Europe as part of any tour, you see a lot of old churches. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's just mm-hmm. the thing. But I, I remember being struck when we were on our river cruise last year. One of the places we stopped was Vienna, and Vienna has a, a, a giant Catholic church. It's called St. Stephen's, and it, 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 it's of the same time frame. 1137 is when they built St. Stephen's, and it's this massive church. But I remember Fran and I walking around it. it they were telling—the guide was saying there's always restoration work. You know, depending on where you are, what side, the huge scaffolding, yeah. they're always—there is never a time— when they're not doing some sort of restoration on this this massive church. Well, you think of how big they are and how old these things are. Right. And in this one, I mean, this, obviously we're not there, but this doesn't look good. I mean, they've had reports of the roof collapsing. We saw that spire go down just right. a few minutes ago. I mean, this looks devastating for that church. Well, right. And the question becomes, how do you, you know, how do you put it out? I mean, when it's, right. it's, I mean, right. again, cause look what happened with the, the, the Trinity Lutheran church is here on a much smaller scale. Mm-hmm. You know, they're just, 
there, there's so much stuff that can burn there. You know, how do you get in? And just think about the destruction if you're pouring water into to this. And, and of course, Notre Dame and the interesting thing, St. Stephen's, again, in Vienna, St. Stephen's survived World War II. I mean, a lot of a lot of the churches did not survive World War II. Of course, Notre Dame did yeah. as as well. But there's there's always work that's going on. And if this turns out to be like the Daily Mail suggests, that just construction workers mishandling stuff, it just mm-hmm. it, it, it's the, the the pictures are just absolutely incredible. It's not and, even close to getting put out either. I mean, they're oh no. No, no, no! You just close. see, no, you just see like, and again, there's there's just large pillows of, of flame, pillars of flame that's coming up from the the entire building. And you're right, you can see all the scaffolding that's there as well. So that stuff is on fire, and it's how do you put it out? And what a what a tragedy! Because one of the great things about traveling is you you, you go to some of these places, and you you now. I I admit that you know after you've seen five old churches maybe you you know <laughs> well, that, that, that's kind of it right sure, I mean you go sure, to every town and, and yeah. but I'm not mocking I'm not minimizing this they're just beautiful and and they all have their different styles and things like that and you do it, it's just spectacular to sit in some of these churches and you think oh, oh my gosh I mean there were you know this this church has been here for nine hundred yes, years yes. you know that's that's the the architecture too the, I mean just the, the way it looks right the, it's just it's just amazing and you have these places all over I've ever told you a story years ago we were doing a a listener trip through the south of france and we pull into there's a town called x is what the name of the town is and it it dates back to the time of christ you know so you're walking around this town that is you know thousands of years old and there's this little restaurant that is essentially in a cave and this this has been People live there, but it's like in this cave, in this little mm. town that's 2,000 years old. And, and you walk in, and I'm thinking, oh, this is cool. And then because we were American tour group, they start playing Willie Nelson over the <laughs> speakers. You know, oh, and I'm great. like, okay, here we are in the <laughs> south of France, and I'm in this place that dates back you know, 2,000 years, and we're playing Willie Nelson. Um, well, in any event, we'll continue to keep you posted. But, yeah, this is a just a major story, and this is one where the pictures are just – um, stunning, and you know that the devastation is going to be just a- absolutely, just absolutely huge. Um, and again, I, I, the initial reports were it was workers and stuff, but we'll continue to keep you posted. But certainly not a good story. All right, let me take a quick break. When we come back, how can an American flag be controversial? Stick around. We're back. My regular producer, grew on vacation yet again. Roadkill back for another day. Are you enjoying today's show? Oh, absolutely. You learning stuff? It's been a little hectic, though. Yeah, it's My been, goodness. Right, but you're learning stuff oh, yeah. about the history. All right, see, that's what we're here for. Entertaining, informative, hectic. Anything but boring. Anything but boring, right? That is the goal. Matter of fact, and we will continue that for the next couple hours. All right. I, I, if you follow me on Twitter, it's at JeffWagner620. I've got a link to this story in the L.A. Times. Laguna Beach is a a relatively small beach community it's about halfway between la and san diego but but it's right on it's right on the ocean it's a wonderful community matter of fact like interesting trivia or just trivia my parents when when they were first married they my dad was in the marine corps and he was stationed out there and uh they they lived in laguna beach for 
little bit of time. So it, I, I've been back to the community. It, it's a nice community. That gives you the idea. All right, here's what they decided to do. They decided a while back that they were going to refurbish their police cars. They've got like 13 police cars in the fleet. And they decided, all right, here's what we want to do. We want to make them stand out. So they decided they were going to, first of all, paint them black and white. So the most of the car, the police car, will be black. On the side of each car, they will put, it's like they'll paint the side. And by side, I mean from like the front door back through the back door, okay? And these are like SUVs. There will, it will be white. And then what they do is on that white background, they'll put in big letters the word police on each side. And then what they've done is they, they, they use an American flag motif. So the word police, red, white, and blue, it's got stars, it's got stripes, it, it, is, it is an American flag motif. And they thought, okay, number one, this looks kind of sharp. And, and number two, and they say, well, we're kind of an artsy community, and this looks kind of sharp. And, and number two, they think, hey, this is, you know, this is good. This is America. You've got, the, it's, it's flags. This is government. All good. Well, in the category of no good deed goes unpunished, they roll out this new squad car. And again, they've got, I think there's 13 squad cars, so they've got like seven. And now they are hearing all sorts of criticism um, from people. Now, some people think, hey, this is great, it's patriotic. But many people are complaining that, hey, this is too aggressive. And the city council is going to review this tomorrow night. You've got folks that are saying, well, here, we've got an amazing community of artists, and the aesthetic doesn't really represent our community, says one artist. It feels very aggressive. It's aggressive to have an American flag on a police car. And the argument is that, well, this could make people feel unwelcome. For example, we have a community where there is a certain percentage of immigrants that are here, legally or illegally, doesn't matter. They might be offended by the American flag on the side of the car. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, maybe this is just me, and maybe I should just be kicking myself for this, But seriously, I never thought we would get to this point in this country where putting an American flag on the side of a police car could end up being controversial. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage talk and text line. Again, people are saying, oh, this is terrible. It's creating a, a panic. It's creating a, a hubbub. I mean, my gosh, people are looking at this and thinking maybe it's a SWAT team or whatever. No, it says police with an American flag backdrop. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage talk and text line. All right. I don't think the city council should do a darn thing with this. But they're getting a lot of pressure. Where do you stand? We discuss in just a moment. We'll be back with your call. Stick around. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner.
We're back. Tom and West, West Bend text. Jeff, if they would remove the American flag from the squad cars in my community, I would have the for sale sign up the next day. It's as simple as that. Here's another text. If anyone's offended by our flag, they should go to the country of the flag that they want to represent. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to Jack in Milwaukee. Jack, you're first. Good afternoon. Uh, hi, Jeff. Hi, Jack. You there? I'm going to be for uh, four years. We have a house there and a house in Milwaukee. Okay. And I, it's a real non-story because the relationship between the police and the community, now remember, it is a small community. There's only 23,000 residents. But the problem is we get 4.5 million guests a year, and it's all for the beaches. So... As far as this being a story, it's not a story there. Um, you know, people love the police there. They have a great relationship with the police there. Uh, they're well-respected. Actually, this weekend they have uh, coffee with the police. So the police will set up a table and throw out donuts and coffee, and they'll be in different neighborhoods, and they're, they're great. They're so, really a so, well, what's wonderful the, what's thing. the issue with why would there be this push to take the American flag off the side of the squad cars? I don't think it's a push by anyone other than maybe, uh, you know, an oversensitive uh, person there. But as far as the community, now, remember, Orange County is a very strong Republican stronghold, uh, which just got their tail handed to them in the last election. Okay, so, Jack, you tell me, all right, so the the meeting is tomorrow. Your guess is that the city council is not going to back down and force these American flags off of the squad cars. Oh, no, no. I would say the city uh, council is going to say, no, it's a non-issue. Let's move on to some uh, business of of real concern for the residents. Okay, well, Jack, I appreciate your perspective, and I I hope that's what happens. this is obviously this is a big story. Matter of fact, if you the L.A. Times, their website, this is the most read story today on the L.A. At least as of a couple hours ago, it was the most read story on the L.A. Times website. So obviously, people are paying attention to it. I hope you're right because I, I think this is completely and totally ridiculous that you would suggest that you can't put an American flag on the side of a squad car. Kelly in Waukesha. Kelly, you're on WTMJ. Hi. Hi, Kelly. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, I, I'm, I'm a little bit, um, I, I guess I don't get it. I don't know why in America we can't have the American flag. The because it's are, too aggressive. Some people might be yeah, offended across, by it. Please. I'm sorry. I'm an American. I'm not offended. <laughs> if, and like your, like your other caller said, if he, if he doesn't, if they don't, if they want to, you know, salute another flag, then go to that country where it comes from. These people that are, that are starting this controversy need to get a hobby. Well, you know, I think it's also that, oh, this is, is it militaristic? You know, it, somebody sees the flag on the side of a squad car and they think, oh, this is a SWAT team or, or something like that. I, I guess in my attitude, Kelly, was if you look at that and you see that, it's your problem, not, not, not the well, community's if you, problem. If you did something wrong that the SWAT team is coming after you, okay. But I'm I'm not offended by it. I don't have any problems. If it's a SWAT team, fine. They're not coming for me. I didn't do anything wrong. Right. Exactly. No. Thanks. I guess I mean here. Here's my feeling when it comes to the American flag. You know, this is America. 
And if police officers, and assuming it's it's permitted, if police officers want to have, for example, flags as part of their uniform, I, I'm all in favor of that, as long as it's part of the, the overall uniform. If first responders want to have American flags, I think that's completely appropriate. And I also think it is more than completely appropriate to have flags on the sides of, of police cars if you want it. And by the way, if you see the picture of this, they actually look really cool. I, I actually, I like the design. I like what they've done. It looks, in my opinion, really sharp, too. Eddie and Franklin. Eddie, you're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call yes, on your show. Thank you. Uh, this is another example of the perpetually offended. I mean... <laughs> the politically like, correct and the perpetually uh, offended, yes. <laughs> constantly. I mean, they just look for stuff. I mean, look, in the Olympics... You got the athletes, they come out, they're draped in their flag. They yep. have pride in, in that flag. It, it stands for, uh, it symbolizes their country, and, and, and they all have, you know, a history of where that flag comes from and why it became their flag, just as ours did. Right. I mean, I mean you know, no, no, thanks to call it. I'm sorry, I got to break for the news because we want to take an update on what's going on in Paris. But, yeah, I'm, I, I'm with you. I mean, I think, you know, the, the American flag should not be controversial. And it certainly shouldn't be controversial when it comes to government agencies. And in this particular case, if the Laguna Beach Police Department wants to and thinks it's a good idea and thinks it looks sharp to use this flag logo, and by the way, I do think it looks sharp, the idea that you have some artist or a couple artists who might think this is too aggressive, they need desperately to get a light. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. We're back. The school district out in Madison has been having a series of problems with with racial incidents. They've had a a number of teachers who have either resigned or been removed. You've got certain elements of the community that are extremely upset with the alleged racism that's going on. It's a mess. It's just an absolute mess. But some of it is, I think, arguably brought on by the school district. The, The first incident involving, at least this school year, involving allegations of a teacher using the N-word in direction to a student, um, got a lot of attention last fall. The teacher, while still not being identified, she she's essentially been forced to resign, but she's now speaking out a little bit. Her identity hasn't been revealed yet, but, but here's the deal. You might remember this story. I think we might have talked about it um, last, last year. It happened at the end of October, and this, the, the mother, this is a seventh grade, out, seventh grade student out in, in Madison, and the, the girl's mother went very public about allegations that the, her daughter had been, you know, taken aside by the, the teacher, and the teacher had used the N-word directed to the daughter, who was African-American, saying, you know, how would you like it if you were called blank, All right? That, that's the, the, the background of this. What happened is, after these allegations were made public, originally the school district decided to suspend the teacher for 10 days, and then once it became kind of a cause celeb and once people started jumping on the bandwagon, the school district decided we're going to try to fire this this teacher, and ultimately the teacher ended up resigning. Well, now the teacher is explaining her side of of the story, and this is the way the um, State Journal is is reporting this. Apparently what happened was the seventh-grade girl, who was, who was black— 
she had been calling. There was a white student, a boy, and she had been calling the white student a cracker. Right, that that's what she'd been calling him. She'd been calling him a cracker, and that the the teacher who'd been at the Madison School District for like twelve years, um, who was white, she was originally apparently from somewhere in the South, and she says, "Look, this is a really derogatory term." Says, "I'm I'm sensitive to this that you don't you know you don't call people that," and so she apparently took the the seventh grade girl aside after she was calling. The, the boy, the the, cra- the the phrase cracker, and she said to her, she took her aside, and this wasn't apparently in front of the class or, or anything like that, so she she went over and said, we, we had a, a conversation. Um, she said she tried to explain to the seventh grade girl why the boy was upset when she was calling him what she was calling him, and the teacher said, Look, you got to understand the way he's reacting, the why he's like this is because, you know, here, here's what it means when you're calling him what you're calling him. And the teacher says it would be like similar. I mean, how would you like it if I called you the N word? Although she doesn't say the N word. She uses that that word. Um, she admitted, yeah, I, I used the, the, that word with the girl. I wasn't calling her that word. I was saying, look, what you're saying to th- this boy, all right, that, that's, that's kind of the equivalent of, of, of this. Um, the teacher said the girl did not appear upset by the conversation. Um, she simply said, you know, we can, she said, do you want to talk about this somewhere else? She said, we could, we walked into another classroom. We, we discussed you know this i explained to her why what she was saying was hurtful and it was inappropriate and yes i did say you wouldn't like it if somebody used and then she used the n word all right so the the 7th grade girl calls her mother her mother calls some activists and then everybody descends on the school and the, there's pressure brought on the teacher oh you know and ultimately the school was trying to fire her and she ended up quitting on on her own all right, our number is 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, I I hate that word. I think the world would be better off if nobody used that word. And, and I it drives me crazy when you turn on, you know, certain movies or you listen to certain songs and, and you've got that word being used. And I don't buy the idea that it's appropriate for some people to use it, not appropriate for others. It, it is a very, very hateful and a harmful word. And I, I, I just think the world would be a better place if we just collectively said, we don't care if you're white or black or brown or green or blue, you, you should not use that word. But this is the context of what the teacher, how the teacher confronted it. You had the the child who was using a derogatory term to refer to one of her classmates. And in trying to make the point, the teacher takes her aside and says, all right, look, this is inappropriate. You know, this is the history of this word. You wouldn't like it if I called you blank. Well, you know, then then why are you, you know, what are you saying it to this kid? All right, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, now again, the, the teacher voluntarily resigned after the school district decided a 10-day suspension isn't enough, we want to try to fire her. But I want to talk about the, the, the broader picture. Is this something in the context, 
in the context, is this something that the teacher should have been suspended for? Is it something that they should have tried to fire the teacher for? I mean, again, this is this is how it happened. The teacher's trying to use this as a learning experience. She probably should not have said that word. But given the point she was trying to make and given what the girl was doing in the first place, was she that out of line, at least out of line enough that it should have cost her her job? We discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. This is Jeff Wagner on WGMJ. Before you're hitting line drives and flashing your leather out there, the pl- We're back. And by the way, if I have offended every, anybody by using the word cracker, I... I apologize. It is not in a malicious fashion. It is simply, again, to try to prove a point about this particular story. And by the way, I I think the N-word is hateful. I I think it should not be used, period. It, it, It should not be used, period. At the same time, I do think that when you look at... All right, what what is going to be the discipline for something? In this particular case, I look at what this teacher did, and she's she's not calling the kid that name. She's trying to make a point. Now, you might argue that that word is not the equivalent of what the kid said, but, but regardless, I do think you have to look at what the intent is in trying to figure out what appropriate punishment is. 414-799-1620, Michael in Glendale. Michael, you're first. Good afternoon. Well, thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. Uh, the, re- the reason for my call is I had the exact same experience, uh, verbatim almost, right here in the Glendale River Hills School District, where my daughter had uh, sent a Snapchat or a text uh, two years ago on MLK Day uh, saying some flowery, nice things about Martin Luther King. And uh, she then got a text or a Snapchat back saying, what do you know about this, you cracker? Okay. <laughs> so uh, I was uh, took umbrage and uh, went to the disciplinarian and the principal to discuss it. And I uh, imparted to them that if this were inverted, uh, right. actually there was no, uh, she would be expelled. My daughter would be expelled. And in their infinite wisdom, they said, well, but that didn't happen. And that <laughs> uh, to me was just kind of mind-blowing, so I was asking for an apology, a written apology of some sort, and right. uh, I got nothing. Right. So it was okay, it, it, it was okay to essentially call your daughter that particular word, and it was no big deal. It was no big deal, and I was trying to point out the irony of yeah. the situation by inverting it, and yeah. it was kind of on deaf ears. Yeah. So well, I, I, take, I have empathy for this, <laughs> this teacher. Yeah, no, I, it, thanks. Again, and again, it, it's... I'm not going to necessarily argue that the two words are are equivalents, um, and, and arguably because of the hit. And that's why I hate the N word. I just I, I hate it. It's one of the reasons it just drives me crazy when you you watch the Quentin Tarantino movie, and that's every the and that's that's every third word that's there, or when you listen to some rap music or whatever, and it, it's every third word. I I hate that word because I, I do understand the the history of that word and what it was all about and it's one of the reasons it drives me crazy that you have people that that you know say it and throw it around and I think they normalize it and that so that that all bothers me but I do think you have to look at it in context and and whether it's 
okay, you're you're reading you're reading Mark Twain to the class. All right, but no, we we can't say that. Or or you you can't put on the performance to kill a mockingbird because the text of the play has that word in it. Or in this particular case, the teacher not calling the kid that word, but rather trying to make a point saying what you're saying to this white student is incredibly hurtful. And, and now the Madison School District, now again, ultimately, she ended up resigning rather than than fight it. But you know, should should this have been something that she was disciplined for in the first place? You can argue that maybe it wasn't the best of judgment, but she wasn't trying to be hurtful. Let's talk to Jeff in Glendale. Jeff, you're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff, how you doing? I'm going to try really hard to stay on point here. Um, as far as the teacher goes, she did not say the word. All she said was was the N word, and now no, 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 no. She no, no. Let me be clear. So she she didn't say the N word. She said that word. I'm I'm using the N word because oh, obviously she did. Say the word? She okay, did okay. No, no. She did say the word. How would you like it if somebody called you, you blank? Okay. Yeah. No. She she okay, no no. She did say the word. No. 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 Um, well, it really doesn't change my point, anyways. Um, uh, it, it's an attack on our freedom of speech. I think she was wrong. If you're going to be in a school, I mean, you're going to get attacked on everything. Any first of all, any white person or we're going to get attacked on anything now. And I'm talking not just racial, but even you know sensitive and being in the safe space. And if, you know, you don't call him and he's a her. And it's it's just a, a, an alt right attack. Um, a little story that happened where uh, I was in a store and a lady was on the phone and she was just talking to a friend and really, really loud. And I couldn't hear what I to conduct my business. And she was black. And all I said politely, I said, I said, would you mind taking your phone conversation outside, please? Because I can't hear and conduct my business, and right away she uh, turned it into a racial thing. Yeah, thanks to call Jeff. Yeah, I mean, no, I, yeah, I, I wasn't sure quite where we were going with that. Yeah, um, but, but I look. See, here, here's the thing. Matter of fact, I, I have a, a texture that makes this point. Screaming racism over everything only cheapens true racism and distracts from actual evil. Yeah, I guess I, I, I see. I, I agree with, I agree with that, and I think unfortunately, we, we just. All go to, you know, we, we go to like DEFCON, you know, five, just, just right away. Okay, I, so I understand the, the girl who, you know, she calls her mother and says, oh, the, the, the teachers, you know, used this word and directed to me. And okay, I understand the mother's upset. She comes over and she brings, you know, her friends and everybody's complaining. Well, once you find out that really the instigator of all this was that the kid herself who was directing hateful remarks at one of her classmates. Now, should can you tell the teacher, well, maybe maybe there was a better way to handle this? And, and maybe that word, even though it is part of the popular culture, you know, which says a lot about the popular culture, it, it's something that, that should never— you know, be used in the Madison schools, regardless of the context. And maybe maybe that's a fair commentary, and maybe they need to change the rules to make that clear that under no case is it ever acceptable, regardless of the, con- the context. But in the context of this discussion, 
seems to me what happens is if you were in a less politically correct and sensitive world, you bring the teacher in, you listen to her story. She says, well, look, he, she was calling this kid this. I was trying to make a, a point, and maybe I could have used a different word for this, but I didn't call her that word. I just said, okay, look, let's have a discussion. You know, you're, what you're saying is hurtful to this other student. How would you feel if he was saying that? And it seems to me once, if you're an administrator, you find out about that, and if that happens to be true, that's the end of the discussion. I mean, shouldn't it be the end of the discussion? Just saying. This is Jeff Wagner. W277-CV and WTMJ Milwaukee. From the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is News Radio WTMJ. So very glad to have you with us. This is Jeff Wagner. Has been kind of a hectic show, covering a lot of ground, a lot of great phone calls. All right, an update on a story that we discussed last week. It is a horrible story made no better by the, this outcome. You remember a week ago Friday night, you had the the, the four people, members of, of a family, three brothers and one of their, their wives, the Rizzo family, who were, uh, three of them were, were killed, one severely injured. They were coming back, is of course Lent, they were coming back like 7, 7.30 a week ago Friday night, coming back from the church fish fry is, is what it was during Lent. What happens is they're driving along Highway 50, a pickup truck that apparently had been driving at a high rate of speed in an incredibly erratic fashion, um, ends up rear-ending them. And what ended up, what, what happened was the, they estimate the pickup truck was going around 100 miles an hour. So it smashes into the back of the, the SUV that this, this family is driving in, and it, it knocks the SUV off the road. Now, th- th- this is one of those wrong place, wrong time. First of all, that the, the SUV driven by the, these folks, and none of them had been drinking. There's no, the driver wasn't intoxicated, nothing like that, been drinking chocolate milk of all things. Um, but unfortunately, when the car hits them from behind, where they are on Highway 50, it knocks them off the road, and it, it's not just like a flat road. They, they go down an embankment. The car ends up rolling and flips over and ends up on its on its roof. Um, three of the four people killed. The the car driven by the, the pickup truck that hit it, that ends up like 100 yards further down off the road on the other side. So they arrest the guy who is responsible for this. His name is Timothy Vanderveer. He's from Illinois, um, had previously been convicted, I guess, in, I think in Wisconsin for causing injury by drunk driving. He had been charged, but they were waiting for the toxicology, the blood alcohol. Turns out that this... This driver, blood alcohol level of 0.316, 0.316, which is damn near four times the legal limit. Now, I don't know about you. I can't get 0.316 drunk. I mean, I, I just can't. I'm, I, I would be passed out, thrown up on myself a long time before that, much less driving a, a pickup truck 100 miles an hour. But now you have three people that are dead, one that is seriously injured, because this piece of human flotsam and jetsam decided to get himself literally blind and drive down the road. And I guess I, I said this last week when we discussed it, if you ask me what happens here, if it's me as the judge, which is probably one of the reasons I never get elected judge, it would be every day that you could give out. And the fact that I hear 
And he was almost four times the legal limit when he made the decision to get behind the wheel and kill these various people. It just further solidifies my belief that every darn day. But, you know, unfortunately, it shows that this type of stuff happens. And when you go out on the roads, you take your life in your hands because there's people like this guy on the road. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. So glad to have you with us. Uh, well, just it, it, lots of breaking news. By the way, the Mueller report supposed to be released sometime Thursday morning. Number of people, I, it's, it's not going to satisfy anybody. And, and people are going to read into it what they want to read into it. Already some people are saying, well, they shouldn't be making any redactions. They should be just releasing the whole thing. To which I, I, I just say, you're, you're going to hear this phrase thrown around. It, it's it's Rule 6. And it's Rule 6 of the Federal Rules of Criminal Procedure. See, a lot of the information that was obtained in the Mueller investigation was obtained through the use of grand jury subpoenas and witnesses who testified in front of the grand jury. There is a specific federal law which says that grand jury information has to remain secret. I mean, now there are certain exceptions. For example, if you if criminal charges are issued and somebody's brought to trial, they have a right to see, you know, a limited use of the grand jury information. For example, if a witness had testified against them in the grand jury, they have the right to have access. The accused has the right to have access to that so they can impeach them at, at the trial. Did they say something different under oath in front of the grand jury than they did at trial? Things like that. But with Putting aside those those very narrow exceptions, under the law, grand jury, it is a felony to disclose grand jury information. And it doesn't change the fact that Congress, you know, demands it with a subpoena or whatever. And so that's what they're doing right now. You've got Department of Justice lawyers and special prosecutor, special counsel lawyers, and they're going through this report and they're editing it to remove references to what was said or presented in accordance with grand jury subpoenas. Now, I understand that's going to not make some people happy and they're going to say, well, you know, we have a right to see everything. Well, the, the answer is no. The, the law is the law with regard to grand jury secrecy, and there's all sorts of reasons for it, but it's not going to make anybody happy, but that's the bottom line. But anyhow, the Mueller report is coming out this uh, Thursday, and we will have an opportunity to discuss it. Let me give you a I think this is a I think this is a piece of good news. I mentioned this on the program last week. I'm uh, as somebody who grew up around here. One of the places I used to hang out was the old Mark's Big Boy. Now, there were Mark's Big Boys that were all over. There's one downtown in Juneau Village that I used to go to, but the one I particularly grew up going to was a Mark's Big Boy on Port Washington Road. Many, many late nights there. And I used to love the Big Boy hamburger. I was sorry that the Big Boy hamburger went away, so I was excited that A.J. Bombers, and there's a couple very prominent hamburger places around here. You've got Sobelman's, you've got Sally's, you've got A.J. Bombers. Last week, A.J. Bombers announced that they were bringing back the Big Boy hamburger, essentially, and they call it 
a, a tribute, and they brought it back, and they were bringing it back for just one week, and I predicted it was going to be a huge success. I'm holding a press release in my hands now, some free press here. Due to the overwhelming response and the numerous guest requests to keep featuring A.J. Bomber's tribute to the Big Boy Burger, A.J. Bomber's is thrilled to announce that the Big Boy Tribute Burger will be making a permanent fixture on the A.J. Bomber's summer menu. So... You didn't get a chance to get there last week. All right, you've got all summer long to do it. Okay, so then that, that's a that's a good thing. Uh, we've been talking, of course, all afternoon about the breaking news story: the 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 Notre Dame Cathedral on fire. The fire is raging. It is not under control. I was looking at some of the European websites and and in the, that have actually people on the ground looking at it. Some of the reports are the, the roof has completely and totally collapsed, which is not surprising, but, um, again, very, very unfortunate. I have a confession to make. I, I've traveled all over. I've never been to Paris. I, I've been to the south of France, but I've never been to Paris. I have been to a lot of, you know, old churches um, across the south of, uh, of France and in Germany and in Austria and in Hungary. And I'm trying to think of oh, Rome, of course, you know, been to the Vatican and some of the other churches around there. But I have never been to the cathedral at Notre, Notre Dame. Other than I, I, I mean, I've just I've seen the pictures, and I've got to imagine it's just absolutely spectacular. And now you have th- this huge part of French culture that looks like it's on the verge of of being, if if not destroyed, just almost destroyed. Our number is 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I guess I just have a question, given what's going on here. Have you been to the cathedral at Notre Dame and your impression of it when you were there? So if we have some Parisian travelers, 414-799-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line, uh, everybody tells me that this was a is a particularly and exceptionally beautiful, beautiful church. It, it dates back to 1160, so that tells you how long it has been there. It is a huge part of French culture. I confess I have not been there. H- have you, and what is your impression of it? I mean, I have a vivid impression of, as I was saying earlier, St. Stephen's in Vienna. I have a vivid I- impression of a couple of the churches, St. Mark's in um, um, in Venice. I have you know, impressions of some of the other play. Of course, the, you know, the, the Vatican as well. But I've never been to the Cathedral Notre Dame. 414-799-1620, that is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And again, you, you don't want to be a doomsayer here, but if you, you look at these photographs of this fire that is raging, you have to figure that it's it's certainly not going to be the same in our lifetime. Have you visited it and your impression? 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We're lining up the calls right now. Back to discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. If you've been there, I would like to talk to you. This is Jeff Wagner. This fire at the Notre Dame Cathedral in Paris is just is just horrible and horrifying. Here's a text. Jeff, I loved everything about Notre Dame. We went to a Sunday morning service there when I studied abroad in Paris, just in awe of the place and so thankful that I had the opportunity to be there. Another text. We looked so forward to visiting the Notre Dame Church. 
Um, let's see, Jeff, I've been to Cologne, Germany, Cathedral, and the Notre Dame Cathedral. Um, this is a worldwide loss. It's just not about Parisians. Something old is a loss for all of humanity. This is very sad. 414-799-1620. John in West Bend. John, good afternoon. Hi, Jeff. How are you? Real well, thank you. This is just, it looks, the pictures look horrible. Just It's horrifying. They are. I was I was telling your your producer, mm-hmm. your, your screener, that um, my my daughter goes to Cedarburg High School and their AP French class. They were there today. And oh. They actually left twenty seven minutes before the fire started, and uh, they were getting all kinds of pictures and, and video. Their, their hotel is only a few blocks away, and, and she said that you know everybody in the area is just they're in the streets. They're just in tears. Oh, oh. Um, so yeah. let me get it straight. So your daughter is there today and left about a half hour or so before this fire broke out, huh? Yep, yep. Their group, there is like 35 uh, kids from Cedarburg High School that are, are, they got to Paris today. They've been in France for uh, last week, but they right. got to Paris today, and, and uh, it was the first tour that they, they took, and, <laughs> and they were uh, they were there until like uh, half an hour before uh started. And, and I've got like pictures of, my daughter has a, like of all the scaffolding where they think the fire started right. up on the roof. She's, she's got pictures of that and everything. <laughs> so it's, wow. It's insane. I think she'll never forget this day the rest of her life. Well, no, exactly. No, thanks for the call, and um, I'm glad I'm glad she's safe. I mean, you just you look at this fire, just how horrible. Um, let's talk to Meg in Milwaukee. Meg, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi. Um, I When I heard that it was on fire, my heart sank. I almost kind of feel like you want to cry because... I I was always one of those people that thought, oh, Paris, that's just cheesy, you know. Right. But when you go there, the history, everything just hits you. When you stand in front of Notre Dame, it's imposing. It's mm-hmm. just huge. Mm-hmm. And it has that Gothic feel. But one of my favorite things is you get to go up the towers to the roof, and there are the gargoyles, the right. original gargoyles that are there. Right. And I don't know if anyone's been up there. It's you get to look over Paris, and you get to see these these creatures that were sculpted, and it is a phenomenal sight. Um, uh, no, and, up there. No, thanks. Thanks for calling. I'm sorry, Mary. I want to get to this next call, Courtney, who is calling us from Paris. Courtney. Y- yes, I'm. I've been living in Paris. I'm Milwaukee native, but I've been living in Paris for the past eight years. Okay. And and you uh, were listening so, to WTMJ. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but my mom was too. Okay. So she. <laughs> She let me know that I should give a call. Okay, so can you describe what's going on there now? Well, right now it's still in flames, and they they haven't really contained it. I don't know to what extent. It's just very shocking. Uh, We don't know when it's going to stop, pretty much. I mean, no one has any news on exactly when it's going to stop. We're supposed to get rain later on this evening, but (laughs) but we're afraid it's going to. The towers are just going to go down or something. It's, It's just we don't know to what extent. Courtney, how close are you to where the to, to the cathedral itself? Are, are you able to see flames? I, my impression is that pretty much everywhere in Paris, people can at least see the flames. Yeah, well, from my apartment, you can see smoke. I mean, you can see the smoke coming up because Paris is a very dense city, so we're very close. I mean, everything is within proximity. It's really close, so everyone has this, can see the smoke billowing up and. Mm-hmm. It's it's impressive. It's really sad. 
What uh, can can you talk a little bit about the, the the relationship of the cathedral to to Paris in general? I mean, it's more than just a, a, a tourist, a, just a, a tourist attraction. I mean, it really is the cathedral is part of the overall community, right? Uh, yes, I mean, for for many people, it's it, it's well, it, it was it was built in, in the 12th century. The first the first towers were built in the 12th century, and then it grew after that and over over centuries so it's it's much more i mean it's it's this i don't know how to say it's a it's just a building that has built on itself over the years over the centuries and so it's it's for some people a place of worship a lot of people a tourist destination um it's an impressive monument it's it's a symbol of paris it's a symbol of france and um it's just Presidents, I mean, oh, yeah. presidents uh, uh, had their, you know, that's, presidents were had their burial ceremonies right. there, their their, right. their funeral. I, I assume yeah, that so. I assume that you you've been there more than once or on a couple occasions since you've lived there. Yes, yes, I have, and I was just there on Saturday on Saturday just by chance because there are the the cherry blossoms that are all around the, so it's a beautiful it's beautiful to walk around it because there are a lot of you know the spring foliage is is beautiful. So. I I have to imagine trying to trying to fight a, a fire at a location like that, given the history and how old the building is and how much stuff is it, it will, will burn easily. It's it's got to be just a bear to try to do that. Yeah, I mean I don't I I have no idea to what extent. I mean it's it's got to be huge. Um, it it does. Okay. Well, Courtney, I, I appreciate you joining us. Uh, you 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 be safe there. Can I can I ask you to? I'm going to put you on hold for just a second because my producer okay. wants to talk to you. Okay. Thank okay. you. All right. So yeah. you you just hang on there. We're going to take a very quick break. Back with more in just a moment. We're back. Thanks to Courtney for calling us from from Paris. Apparently, watching this go on. I'm there hoping. I, well, let me just share with you a couple texts here. Jeff, I've been to Notre Dame, and this is absolutely heartbreaking. It is an indescribable place. It, it, they get, I haven't been there, but I've been to some of the other grand churches in the world. And, and one of the things that always strikes me is that you, you, walk, into, you walk into these places, and we, we had this experience when we were doing our river cruise, and we started in, in Budapest, and you walk into some of these churches, and you just, you just look at them, and you, you think about what, what it took to, to build them, what it would have taken to build them in modern times, much less you know what it would take to build them in the the twelfth century, um, Jeff. I've been to Notre Dame. This is absolutely heartbreaking. It is an um, indescribable place. Jeff visited Notre Dame in two thousand four. Um, climbed the I believe four hundred steps to the bell towers. You could walk from one bell bell tower to the other on a skinny walkway. Great views. Got to see the gargoyles up close on top, um, etc. Okay, here's one. Jeff, I am a retired fire chief. A few years back, my wife and I visited Paris and went to Notre Dame. Notre Dame. I remember looking at inside the building and thinking what a bear it would be to fight a fire there and what a shame it would be because it would probably burn to the ground. Ironic. Now, hopefully that's not the case. And as Courtney was saying that there, um, man, I'm looking at the pictures and it's, it's, this fire is devastating. It's gutting this building. They're hoping that it's going to rain later on this evening and that might help the firefighting efforts. But this is, 
this is a massive tragedy. There's just there's just no way at all to underscore that. I mean, this is a it is a great church, and here you have you think about this. This is a church that survives survived World War II. I mean, so many of the the, the churches in Europe and so many of the the great architectural buildings did not survive World War II, and here here you have the, this church that did. And again, they're investigating right now what what the cause of it was, but at least the early reports seem to suggest that this might be something. There's reconstruction going on, and of course, there, there's always reconstruction going on in these old churches. That's just the the reality and so they're, they're doing all this stuff and they're scaffolding up all over and just like what happened in downtown milwaukee a couple years ago with the, the trinity lutheran church fire um at least the reports are they think that this might have been some mishandled construction materials um and, and then you just look at what's going on but the fire continues to rage and this is this is just an international tragedy there's just no question about that at all and we'll continue to keep you updated but i appreciate the input from people especially i mean some of our listeners who had our, our listener john in west bend whose daughter was just there and just left about 30 minutes before the fire and our listener courtney who was in paris and had been there for eight years with the first-hand account coming up next hey kids stay out of my restaurant we're back this would be our bumper music i'm back glad to have you with us i'm sorry i just i'm watching these pictures of this cathedral on fire notre dame and it's just it's it's horrifying in its scope and it doesn't look like it's close to being under control at this point in time i'm a big fan of appleton i love we were up there Oh, gosh, I want to say it was probably going on about nine or ten months ago. I, I was in downtown Appleton, and I confess I hadn't been there for a while. And I, I just – we were up there for an event with Jerry Kramer when he was going into – right before he went into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. We were driving downtown, and I was just, I, I was just really impressed with downtown Appleton, so much so that there's a – it was actually, interestingly enough, looking today at – there's a concert I'm thinking I'd like to see, and the performer is is in Appleton at the end of May, and I'm thinking, oh, you know, maybe if I can get some decent tickets, maybe you know, go on up there. Looking forward to going back. So I'm a fan of Appleton's. I have never been to Tom's Drive-In in Appleton. I assume Tom's Drive-In is like a it's like a Culver's type of place that that's or an A and W. I mean that that's that's what I get. Tom's Drive-In in Appleton is getting. Well, some national attention because they did this a couple months ago, but they have continued this policy, and now it is being reported. Tom's Drive-In does not allow unattended middle school students to go in. Here's what the, the notice that's put on the door says. Middle school students, due to mistreatment of Tom's Drive-In's property, Guests and staff, you are no longer allowed inside the building without parental supervision. For those of you who did not cause any of these incidents, we are sorry for the inconvenience. You may still purchase food through the walk-up window. So you can go. You can go up to the walk-up window and you can order burgers or fries and milkshakes or whatever, but you are not allowed inside the building. Um, what, what they say is, you know, they, they try to 
get kids to behave, and, and they couldn't. They say the behavior included vandalism, like a booth that students carved into. Students made large messes in the restaurant and bathroom, yelled profanities in the restaurant, including at the district manager, fought with customers, stole soda, drew genitalia with Sharpie markers, and tattooed each other with pen ink and needles, leaving bloody napkins behind. The restaurant says that policing the... Roadkill is just, you don't get that. It, it, Got some it, prison tattoos it, it, going it, it, on over right, here. Right. It, yeah, it doesn't occur to you. Here, let, let's go over, let's go sit in Culver's and let's kind of try to do our own like prison tattoos. Yes, exactly. The restaurant says policing the kids had become a full-time babysitting job for the crew during the after-school rush. And so they said, okay, look, th- this is enough. And they intend to keep this policy, no unattended middle school kids allowed in the restaurant until the end of the school year, and then they say that they're, they're going to reassess. But they essentially say enough is enough. Well, this is now getting all sorts of attention, and predictably, there are some people out there that are criticizing the restaurant. Here's some of the thoughts. Here's some of the arguments. The restaurant is punishing all the middle school kids for the misdeeds of the few. Boo, fire that manager now. All right, another comment. Very sad that all students are banned when it's probably just a handful that caused the problems. Punish those that are the problems. All right, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, so the restaurant has this problem with middle school kids piling in after after school, the after school rush, and creating problems. And they have finally said enough is enough. You're not welcome in here unless you've got adults that are with you. We're not saying we're not singling out a particular middle school. Um, We're saying also that, you know, you can't come in the restaurant, but if you still want something to eat, we've got these walk up windows that you can go and order stuff at. All right. Is the restaurant out of line? Is this a case of an overreaction instead of saying all middle school kids are banned? Should they just have concentrated on? All right, the, these are the troublemakers. 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Is the school overreact? Is the restaurant overreacting in banning all the kids? 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I, this is one where I'll tell you where I come down on this in just a moment, but I guess I'm kind of curious as to when you hear this, is it unfair to say to all the kids, and this isn't, by the way, an issue about whether or not the restaurant has the right to do it. The restaurant clearly has the right to do what it wants. Is this an overreaction on the part of the restaurant, though, by saying, all right, you know, here's the deal. We're not going to just go after the troublemakers. We're going to go after everyone. All right. Back with your phone calls in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is, well, tell you what, let's try to squeeze in a couple before the first break. Jeff in Fox Point. Jeff, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey, Jeff. I totally side with Tom's. As a former uh, teacher, I do know how bad the middle school students can get. And um, I am familiar with, with Tom's because I'm from Appleton. Oh, okay. And, and I know that they are very active in the community, like supporting people like baseball leagues and stuff. So this is probably not an easy decision for them. Well, no, but at the same time, see, I, I you know, Jeff, I understand exactly what they're saying. They're saying hey, we're not babysitters. We're 
we're here, you know, we're in the restaurant business, and we want this to be a good experience for everybody. And and obviously, this is more than an isolated instance. My, my sense is it's more than just like one or two out-of-control kids, because then you just toss them out. So they're sitting there saying, it's just not worth it. You know, this, this detracts away from our business, so sorry. But the misdeeds of a limited number of people, it does affect everybody. And it's unfortunate, but I don't see how they can be criticized. It sounds like it has been a pattern for Tom's, and I can think of other places such as Chuck E. Cheese where there's patterns of problems with parents treating these places as drop-offs so they can just bring their kids and let them run wild. Yeah. No, thanks for calling. Now, I, I guess my, my sense is that this is more like it's kind of like the after-school crowd, the, the school lets out, so everybody piles over there. But, the you know, actions do have consequences. And I think from, if I mean, if I'm running a restaurant and I see that there is this ongoing problem, and it's one thing if it's one or two kids, but if it's this ongoing problem with lots and lots of kids, after a while you just simply say, okay, that's it. Sorry, you know, no kids allowed. Mike in Waupon. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff. Hi, Mike. Uh, we had to do this almost 30 years ago. I used to manage a convenience store in Beaver Dam. The middle school was two blocks away. And this was an ongoing problem with the bathrooms and everything. And um, contacted the principal of the middle school, and he was fully on board. He understood. And the day he made the announcement, about 10 of them showed up after school and pelted the building with... <laughs> Uh, soda and uh, bottles and cans and, and you name it. It was just a mess. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's why, Mike, I mean, it's not uncommon to, for convenience stores to, and to, to put up signs saying, you know, no more than two students allowed in the store at any given time. I mean, that's, that's not, I mean, it's unfortunate, but it's not that unusual. I see that all the time. Well, we started with no more than two, and then our bathroom access was on the outside, not on the inside, and so when when we started the two person limit, then they started going after the bathroom. So okay, we had to do the ban entirely. I see. I just don't get that. I, I mean, I just I. I mean, I don't get the vandalism for the sake of vandalism. I mean, it just it. Plus, you know, you I, I just don't get why you would go to a restaurant or even a fast food place that you like and you want to hang out. I don't get why you just obsess with like destroying the property there. What do you think is going to happen when you're doing that stuff? I don't know, and I, you know, I think back to when I was a kid. If I'd have even considered doing something like that, my dad would have come after me with a belt. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. That's one where, right, you, you know, your, your, yeah, Ann and Jack Wagner call me in, and they say, just explain to us what you were thinking. <laughs> you know, what you, you thought it was a good idea to carve your initials in, in, in there, or what, what did you do to your arm? You, you've got some you know, version of a prison tattoo. Okay, tell me why you did this, kid. You know, no, no, I'm with you. No, thanks. I, I, again, I, I've never been to Tom's Drive-In in Appleton, although it's now kind of on my list of places that I, I want to check out next time I'm up in the Appleton area. But they're, they're getting, again, they're getting some blowback from this policy. And the truth of the matter is, I bet you the restaurant, I wish they didn't, I'm sure they wish that they didn't have to implement this particular policy because they're in the business of selling food and you know if if there's a lot of kids that are out there well that that that's great you know they're potential customers but if you can't behave and you can't control yourself well you can't come in and that's a lesson these middle school uh kids would be do well to learn early on in life this is jeff wagner this is jeff wagner on wgmj all right Kind of up against the clock, but I teased this topic at the beginning of the show. My producer, guest producer, Roadkill, has been lining up calls all during the show. Let's go out with a bang. Here's the deal. 
Woman goes to a Houston Astros, Astros baseball game last summer against the Chicago White Sox. And in between innings, they have the Houston Astros mascot that comes out with one of those giant, you know, T-shirt cannon things. And if you go into the Bucks games, you know, you, you've seen it. If you go to Marquette games, you know, where they have all these, like, cheap wadded-up T-shirts that they shoot out at a high rate of speed. All right? So the lady is in, you know, she's on the third baseline in the middle deck. And they're shooting out these T-shirts. So one comes flying her way. It hits her in the hand. And it apparently screws up her left index finger. All right, everybody raise your left index finger. It screws it up pretty badly. The T-shirt hits it. Her finger apparently shatters. She's had two surgeries on this so far, over $40,000 in medical expenses. She has now filed a lawsuit against Houston at the Houston Astros for this, for shooting the T-shirt into the crowd. She wants a million bucks. She wants her medical damages and bills, and she wants up to a million bucks. She says, look, this isn't like a foul ball coming into the stands. This is not part of the game. I didn't sign up for this, and this crummy T-shirt has now shattered my finger, and it's not going to be any good for the rest of my life. All right, we only got a couple minutes. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. You see these things all over. Brewers games, Bucks games, Marquette games. Um, it's not an uncommon thing. And more and more now, you have not just the cheerleaders that run out and throw the T-shirts into the crowd. You have these big, fancy, bazooka-type things that shoot 15 or 20 or 30 T-shirts, you know, all at, at once. The crowd ends up going wild. People jump all over each other trying to get the T-shirts and things like that. So here is my question. Let us assume for the sake of argument that the woman is telling the truth. She gets hit in the hand by this projectile that's being shot by the team's mascot. Is she entitled to compensation, or is this just one of the things that happen? And I will tell you, I, this is the recovering lawyer in me. When I go to these things, I do, I, I do watch these guns shooting these things off, and I keep thinking, man, if one of these things, if somebody's not looking and it hits them in the face, it could put an eye out. Um, in this case, it, it breaks a hand. The recovering lawyer in me has always wondered about this sort of stuff. Do you think the woman... Do you think the woman has a claim? I'll tell you where I come down on this in just a minute, but let's get a couple calls. 414-799-1620. Bill in Oshkosh. Bill, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jeff. How you doing? I am well, thank you. Does this woman have a claim? No. Simply because of the fact uh, that's one of the hazards of going into a baseball game. You don't plan on getting hit by a foul ball. Right. But if you're not paying attention, fine. She didn't have to grab after that T-shirt. That's her problem. Does it matter that this isn't a part of the, the foul ball is a part of the game. This is like an entertainment thing that's being conducted in the middle, you know, in between innings. Does that make any difference at all? No. She didn't have to reach after it. Okay. All right. Okay, thanks for the call. I want to try to get as many calls as I can possible. Let's talk to Gail in Green Lake. Hi, Gail. You're on WTMJ. Hey, how are you doing? Hey, that goes back to the previous caller. Uh, maybe she didn't sign up for it, but she definitely had no problem putting her hands up in the air trying to catch it. What if she wasn't trying to catch it? What if this is one where she wasn't paying attention and it, and it just hit her? Does that make any difference or no? Nah, no. Okay. No, not at all to me. 
Okay, when, so when you're in the when you're in the stands, you kind of have this duty to pay a little bit of attention, and if you get hit, it's 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 your problem. That's right. That's okay. Right. All right. Thanks for call four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. I always wonder about these things because. I, I watch these T-shirts getting shot into the stands, and I, I, I watch the scramble. And candidly, a lot of times, it's less about what, in my mind, it's less about what happens if the T-shirt hits you. It's more about, gee, you have these five people that are wrestling over each other, and what happens when one goes, you know, um, head over tea kettle and, and ends up hurting themselves? Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. So far, not too much sympathy for the lady, Jim and East Troy. Jim, you're on WTMJ. How are you doing? Real well, thank you. What do you think? Does she have a case? Well, I've caught many of these. You have? Years, really? I, huh. yeah, I've never gotten I, one. <laughs> I'm lucky. I don't know why. It okay. seemed to come my way. I, I just can't imagine there being enough force to shatter your finger. Okay. That's my, that's my problem with it. Now, like you said, somebody not paying attention gets hit in the face or the eye. Yeah, that could be a problem. Okay. But you're as far as this, you're, just, you're, you're not buying her story. I'm not saying I'm not buying it, but, boy, it. I'd like to know how. You know what? Do they got a video of her catching that T-shirt, and how many people did she plow over to get it? Yeah, so, it, it that's the other amazing thing. Okay, these are... These are in general. I, I've never gotten one myself. Oh, they dropped one. I did get one once when they dropped it from the ceiling. Not the shot up thing, but they dropped it from the ceiling. I got it, and I immediately turned around and gave it to the eight-year-old kid sitting two rows in front of me. But one thing that's always struck me is these tend to be, with all due respect, I mean, they're free, but they tend to be like really, really cheap T-shirts. I, I wish we had more time. Lots of people want to weigh on on this. The, the recovering lawyer in me always kind of cringes when I see this going on because I keep thinking, well, somebody could, in fact, get hurt. In this particular case, I'm sympathetic if she got hurt. I think this all kind of comes with the territory. I'm more sympathetic maybe with the foul ball, but that strikes me as being worse than this. This seems like a freak kind of injury. Sorry it happened. Million dollars? I don't think so. When we come back, we're going to find out what John McCure has on his mind on Wisconsin's Afternoon News. Thanks for all the calls this afternoon. Uh, It was a hectic show. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ.